guys it's your hosts from friday the 13th horror podcast we know that you heard our episode earlier in the month all around pride uh we felt that the messages that we got from our fellow podcasters and friends that they were so compelling that we wanted to release them unedited because i think you only heard small portions of the effort that they put into telling us their stories and telling us why they're hopeful and why they're fearful so I think that we're going to do a little release and that's going to be unedited messages. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is wonderful. Um, because, uh, I mean, number one, thank you again to all of our, our friends. Um, you know, most of these folks here are fellow podcasters, fellow queer podcasters. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, it's a, it's a good reminder, I think for, um, for us and for everyone listening to this, even if you're, if you're LGBT, or if you're non LGBT, um, that the, the people who need to tell our stories, uh, it's really us. Mm-hmm. We need to tell our stories. We need to be in control of our stories and how they're told. And so we really, um, are thankful and we applaud everybody for letting us know about their experiences and for sharing them with us and with you. And so we're very happy to share them with you now. Yeah. Here we go. Hi, this is Brock from Cocktail Party Massacre, and I am LGBTQ proud. My personal heart in real life story about being gay, especially in the American South, um, is that when I was in kindergarten, uh, before I even really knew what sexuality was, I was on the school bus uh, leaving school, and this fifth grader came up, and he took off my snow cap, and he threw it out the window, and he called me a faggot. Uh, My older sister happened to be on the bus, and uh, she clocked him, and that was awesome. Well, uh, cut to a few days later. And I was with my sister in the back of my family's minivan. We were probably going as a family somewhere shopping. And, you know, she and I were not in our seats. We were actually crouched down uh, behind the seats in front of us in the floorboard. And we were talking. And I asked her, you know, what does faggot mean? And my sister said, well, that's when a guy is – well, I can't remember exactly what she said. But she essentially said, that's when a guy loves other guys. And I was like, oh, you know, innocently. I was like, oh, yeah, well, I am a faggot then. And she looks over at me, and I remember this very clearly. She says, don't ever tell anyone that. And um, I know she said it out of love, and I know she said it to protect me. But that really influenced the way I lived my life for, well, I was going to say, uh, 20 years, but probably, you know, closer to 35 years. And, um, it once again was set out of love. It was set out of protection, but uh, it also made me very scared to be comfortable in my own skin, to own who I am. And so I spent much of my life kind of hiding behind what I thought other people wanted to see. 
So that was pretty major. Um, and, you know, when I was a junior and senior in high school, even though, you know, living living the lie of, of many gay men in the South uh, in, during that time, I had plenty of girlfriends. You know, I, I had successful relationships with women. And by successful, I think you know what I mean. Like, uh, you know. Uh, but nonetheless, even though I had successful relationships with women, I would nonetheless get death threats uh, late at night. Uh, you know, someone would call and sadly, often my dad would answer. And, you know, when my dad answered, you know, uh, someone, a man usually, so probably someone from our soccer team from our high school would say, uh, basically say, you know, your son's a faggot and we're going to kill him. Uh, there was... Uh, a, a gentleman who came out actually a year, uh, a year before these death threats, uh, and he actually left school. I don't even know if he ever graduated. He pretty much came out. They threatened to basically hang him from a tree, and he dropped out. So that is my horror in real life story about what it was like being gay in the South. In uh, well, the '90s, basically the uh, the '80s and the '90s, and uh, I do think think things are a lot better now, but we have a long ways to go. So, uh, Andrew and Maddie, thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to share this story. I love you guys, and I love what you do, um, and I hope to uh, have you on the show again soon. Love you. Bye. Hi. My name is Patrick Walsh, and I'm the host of Scream Queens, where horror gets gay. And I am LGBTQ proud. And when Andrew and Maddie came to me to record this segment, I had a very clear path on what I wanted to talk about, about this real-life horror and how I've risen above it or how to feel proud about it. But this has changed about 15 times in the last two days because of what's going on in current events. Right now... It's being voted on whether or not LGBTQ people have rights, have the same rights as any other American. And the president of the United States just came out against it and says, I don't, and you don't, and we don't, that we are less than people. And this scares me. When you combine this with everything that's going on with these abortion laws that are passing, the laws that saying that we don't have to treat gay – doctors don't have to treat gay people for religious exemption reasons, this scares me. This, I see the clock going back because I am an old, old queen. I have been through the tide of HIVs from the beginning of it to the end of it and I – well, to where we are right now. And I am not only LGBTQ proud, I am HIV proud. This year I am – officially a 15-year survivor of HIV AIDS. And yes, I did have a full AIDS diagnosis in 2005. But right now, I am healthy as can be. I am healthy. My doctor says I am healthier than 99.5% of the people that I pass on the street on any given day. And that is because of the advances in medication, which I am now afraid is going to be cut off for so many of us soon. But people say, oh, Patrick, that's not going to happen. But you know what? What I've discovered with this administration, every time I say, oh, that will never happen, it still happens. Mike Pence, I mean, when he was governor, that whole state was riddled with an AIDS crisis. AIDS epidemic, HIV epidemic broke out. In that. So this shit could happen. 
So what are we supposed to do about it? Aside from voting, if you are negative, get yourself tested. I know it's scary. I know it's scary, and I know it's easier not to know, but you know what? It's the best power that you have to keep yourself safe. Get yourself tested and get yourself tested regularly. Keep checking in because you don't know. Most of the people out there with HIV right now don't know they have it. So don't believe the guy or whoever you're with and they say, oh, I'm fine. Can't take that at their word because they just might not know. Protect yourself. Yeah, PrEP is a great option, but PrEP also has side effects. Know the side effects. Know the battle that you're getting into. Because it is a battle to keep yourself safe. And it's a battle that's worth fighting because you're fucking fabulous, okay? You're fabulous. Stay negative if you can. And if you're positive, you're fucking gorgeous. It's a disease, okay? It's a disease. It's not a judgment call. No matter what they tell you. It's not a curse from God. They're not going to drag that shit up again. Do not let them make you believe them. You are fine. You are gorgeous. You are beautiful. And hey, there's negative people. You're afraid of getting tested. You get tested. You test positive. Yeah, it's terrible. It's heartbreaking. It's life-changing. You get yourself on medication right away. You can stay healthy. You're afraid you can't pay for it. There are organizations that can help you. There are organizations that will pay for everything completely. But you don't know if you don't get tested. Be kind to each other as well. I'm seeing a rise of negative talk about HIV positive people. The whole are you clean business. And you know you're clean. And you know, like, just really, really, neg- don't do that. Don't be shaming your brothers and sisters. Don't be like the people on the other side. No, it's a disease. It's not their fault. It's nobody's fault. If it's anyone's fault, you know, yeah, okay, you slipped up. You made a mistake one time because that's all it takes is one time. And yeah, condoms are, what, 99% effective. PrEP is 99% effective. 100% effective, neither one. You can still get it using both. Don't be shaming people for something that's not their fault. That is a mindless disease that you can control. You can not only have this disease, you can thrive with it. Yeah, it took everything for me. I lost my career. I lost my friends. I mean, literally and figuratively. I mean, I mean, people turn their backs on me or they just fucking died. But now 15 years later, I am fucking the most glorious fucking fabulous fag that I could possibly be. And I am proud of it. And while I am proud of who I am now, don't be like who I was 15, 20 years ago. Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't make it somebody else's problem to keep you negative. Respect yourself more than I did back then. Because what I'm afraid of is that all of a sudden HIV testing is going to get harder and harder to get. Access to medication is going to get harder to get. Or maybe if you get tested, you get put on a list or something like that. Who knows what's coming? Love yourself enough to take care of yourself right now before they take it away from us, which they just might. I'm just going to leave it at that. Respect yourself. Get yourself tested. Respect your brothers and sisters that are positive. Treat them with the dignity that they deserve because they're also human beings as well. And if you need to talk, if you're positive, if you're whatever, you just turn, whatever, you can reach out. Reach out. Ask people. There's organizations. You can reach out to me if you need to. My door is always open. Crew at ScreamQueens.com. Drop me a note. I'm Patrick Walsh from Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. And I'm HIV proud and LGBTQ proud. 
Amen. Hi, my name is Rob, and I am an LGBTQ proud. My personal horror in real life is when I came out to my mother. Uh, this is back when I was 22, so this is over a decade. And uh, she received the news that I was gay from my aunt, who then um, wanted to talk to me about it. And I didn't know how she was going to react, but I didn't hear any sort of negative response with her telling my mom. So I called her with a lot of optimism and a little bit of excitement to finally be able to talk to somebody very, very close to me about something that I had just discovered myself. And the minute I got on the phone with her, uh, she just starts lashing out at me. She starts yelling at me. She starts telling me some very, very horrible things. I'm guaranteed to get AIDS. I have no sense into what it is that I want or what I'm doing. And that I clearly am just doing this for attention. It's because I can't get girls and I'm lonely. And so basically, I just don't have one shred of smarts or intelligence or the fact that I can't think for myself um, in deciding to be gay. And so I told her that this is, you know, not a phase. This is who I am. And this is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. This is going to be a part of me. And she just wouldn't let up. And so we ended the conversation. I didn't speak to her for a very long time. And yeah, it, it was a very surprising thing for me to find out. I didn't expect her to react that way. And it gave me a lot of trust issues, to be honest with you. And with everything else that goes on in the gay community, where there's a little bit of self-loathing, some homophobia internally within our community, it just put me in a sort of non-trusting spiral mood. But I am also proud and hopeful for my community because I am a good person. I am kind. I am generous. I'm empathetic. I'm sympathetic. And if people like me exist, and I know that they do. I exist, so I know others exist. And even though it's so easier to see hate in the world and people doing horrible things to others, if you really look closely, you see at least one kind act performed for someone else every day. And again, it may not stick with you as much as the stuff that turns out negative, but I'm telling you, there's kindness in people. There are kind people out there. I have that in my friends, and um, I have it, you know, with the people around me, and I see it, and I know it exists. And in, as long as I continue to see that it exists, I have hope. And to be honest with you, 
even though it's very slow healing, me and my mom are okay. We have been talking. We have been getting along. She actually did say out loud in her own words, I have a gay son. And that meant so much to me for her to say that. And so that is why I have hope. And I will continue to have hope and hopefully the world gets better as I get older and as the new generation comes in. Hey guys, this is Robert and I'm a proud member of the LGBTQ community. I came out of the closet around 1997-98 when I was around 17 or 18 years old. And, you know, I consider myself fairly lucky because it was a really easy process for me. I had a very accepting family and friend base, and through most of my life, I really haven't had any issues with people treating me any differently because I am gay. Um, But with that being said, I currently live in Texas. I grew up in Texas, and I've spent most of my adult life here. And I think that most of the country knows that we can get a little backwards down here in our laws uh, when it comes to women or the gay community. And I sort of live in fear that something ridiculous is going to be passed on a state or, you know, city government level to interfere with the life that I've lived. I've lived most of my life as an openly gay man. I'm currently married to a man. And I would hate to see something hinder that in a law that's passed from these local government levels. And, um, you know, and I don't want to have to uproot my entire life to move to a more tolerant state or things like that. I really feel that I should be accepted just being here in Texas for who I am. However, I'm always the optimist, and I have seen so many generations come after my own, and I've watched them grow more increasingly tolerant to people who are different from themselves. I think that newer generations really embrace a sense of otherness and I think that, you know, in the future, when these generations start to really take power in our country or the world in general, that we're not going to see quite so much hatred and bigotry and and things like that. So I, I really hope, I hope that, you know, what I feel is true or what I see is true. And eventually, you know, we won't have to worry about it. But there's already been so much change since I was a kid, I, you know, coming out at 12 or 13 when I was younger seemed completely unheard of. And today I think it's a little bit more accepted. And I just really hope that that continues to be the trend. So, uh, happy Pride Month to all of our community and allies. And, um, you know, let's keep striving for a better life. Hi, my name is Seth from the Thanks for Coming podcast, or TFC Pod if you're nasty. You know, we're the ones that do recaps about each episode of RuPaul's Drag Race as they air, and we talk about LGBTQIA plus cultural topics too. My personal horror in real life is feeling like an outsider in my own community. We are often alienated by society, but tear down our own members instead of building them up. I was bullied when I was young and questioning my sexuality. I still feel bullied to this day, but typically feel the pressure to conform to a stereotypical physique, biceps, abs, and butts. Oh my. Beauty fades, but an open-minded attitude and kindness lasts forever. 
but I am also proud and hopeful for my community because it's okay to be different and that's something we can celebrate. I have hope for a day where our community can be a bit more inclusive to everyone, no matter what shape, size, or person that you love. After all, love is love is love. Or as RuPaul Charles says, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen? Be the change you want to see in this world. Once our community is united, we can't be broken. You know, my favorite singer is John Lennon. He once said, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. He's saying it a lot nicer than I'd said it. Whenever I'm feeling down, I use this lyric as a mantra to dust myself off and get back on my feet. I believe we can make a change as a united LGBTQIA community and then the world will join us. Until then, wave your freak flag proudly and thanks for coming. Hi, this is Jamal. And I'm Stony, And we are from Thanks for Coming Podcast. Thanks for having us, Fraggy. Um, so, let's see... Our personal horror in real life, we were both talking about this. We didn't really have any individual traumatic or super significant experiences that, you know, fit the horror part of the statement. But I think we've got something <laughs> to participate. <laughs> Thankfully, I guess that's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've both been really lucky in our coming out um, and pride stories. So, you know, we're both thankful for that. Nothing crazy or anything that's threatened our lives or took us to that dark place that a lot of our brothers and sisters go to. But one thing we did find in common and we figured we'd do this as a couple because it ties in and you'll see is um the sense of community we're both from very different places i was born and raised in alaska in a military family a black military family (laughs) and stony where did you grow up and i was uh, i grew up in very small rural area in southern indiana so predominantly white uh community so very much different uh how we grew up (laughs) yeah and it contrasts because um you know our experiences are different just because we're all queer we're all gay lesbian trans non-binary whoever we're all under the rainbow doesn't mean we're having the same experience so what we what it comes down to is i never really felt like i truly belonged in my community you grow up with your family and it's like cool that's my family i know that they love me but they just don't understand but there's still kind of like a void there until you know flash forward 15 16 years and you're in a much better place with your parents than you were then maybe but um yeah just not fitting in and it's really easy to go to a deep dark place when you feel alone with something like that yeah and i think that's um kind of why like i'm so hopeful because like growing up um in southern indiana and kind of you know an area where it's maybe not so accepting is that um you know you grew up not wanting to or i at least grew up not wanting to be gay and like kind of like 
a lot of like, you know, there's like a lot of self shame because you're in an area where it's not accepting. And I think the older that I've gotten, it's more like, how wonderful is it that we have our own community and like, you know, obviously like on our podcast, we talk about drag race and stuff and that's always, it kind of just is one of those things where it's like, you realize like, oh wow, I actually have a community and like this is great that we can share this with everyone and have like a a lot of um you know experiences together and we have that nobody else understands maybe so i think that's part of the reason that it's that i am hopeful is that it's it's so nice that we have our own place to like talk about you know things that affect us and things that we're interested in yeah. And um, another layer is, you know, we are a interrac- interracial couple. And at one point it was illegal for people to date outside of their race. So um, I guess getting down to the nitty gritty of it all is I'm hopeful because a lot of that has changed. We're not perfect as a community, but there's still a lot to learn. I think there's a big awareness now, which is very productive Everyone's very more cautious of pronouns and making sure they're respecting individuals and making sure people feel welcome. So, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely all good. Like, I think um, just even to just being a interracial couple adds a whole new dimension to it, not just even talking about, you know, LGBT issues, but just in general, interracial. Mm-hmm. Um, that had adds a whole new dynamic, but it's all been, like, well-received, so... So it's all good. Yeah. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Hello. This is Vanessa from the VD Clinic podcast. I identify as a queer lesbian who uses the pronouns she and her. I want to tell you a little about the importance of pride for me. I grew up mostly in Alabama, and granted it was the quote-unquote liberal part of Alabama because of its sizable Catholic population. It was still the Bible Belt, you know, and there was still an area of bigotry of all kinds. Well, because of my Catholic upbringing and the patriarchy, let's face it, I didn't want to come out to myself for a long time even though in retrospect, I knew. But I did eventually come out at 19 when I was attending a Jesuit college in Mobile. It was important for me to speak my truth, but a lot of days were terrifying. This was the early 90s, and our country, our, the county that I lived in had the country's highest rate of HIV cases, and... Well, like I said, it was just bigotry of all kinds. But it was my activism around HIV prevention and women's rights that gave me the strength to come out as queer and to fight for the LGBTQ community. While I was down there, I was spat upon at rallies while the FBI had to hold back the KKK and militia members. And still... You know, I felt I had to speak my truth loud. Then, after moving to Cincinnati, I was able to find more like-minded people and a larger LGBTQ population, plus the Austin Lesbian Avengers. But 
I still had my job threatened because of my sexual orientation. There was no legal recourse there at that time. And even after ultimately moving to New York City, I had a landlord threaten me and my housing because I was gay. But at least this time around, <laughs> I had the law on my side and I could have sued the landlord and won. You know, if he hadn't backed down when I brought that up, I could have gone to court and won. And this is exactly why I've been an activist for almost 30 years. Because unfortunately, we're still having to fight for legal equality for all lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, gender nonconforming, queer, intersex, two-spirited, and other people that make up this beautiful, awesome rainbow. As long as we are treated as lesser than, or we are legally unequal, we must fight. And not only are we living in a time where many equalities that we have been gained in the last 30 years are being overturned, we never had full equality everywhere in the U.S. and in the world. And I say this not as a scare tactic, um, because I am hopeful. And I do say it to say that, <laughs> to bring it to this show, we all have the potential to be the metaphoric final girl and start kicking butt against the real-life horror villains, be they politicians, anti-LGBTQ spiritual zealots, or just some jerk on the street shouting homophobic or transphobic slurs. We as LGBTQ people need to live our lives genuinely, and we and our allies need to fight back against bigotry. Voting is a huge part of that. I can't stress it enough. But there are pro there's protesting. And, you know, even if you can't make it to a protest yourself, post that information on social media. Sign petitions. Do anything you can. Just don't sit idly by and try to make everyone aware of this. And again... Just genuinely be you. Okay, happy Pride. Thanks. Hi, my name is Tom, and I am LGBTQ proud. So my personal horror in real life story is that time when my mother voted for Donald Trump in the U.S. presidential election. <laughs> Scary, I know, but it did happen. And the reason why it threw me for such a loop was because my mom had always been so super supportive from the moment that I came out. I came out under really stressful circumstances during college, uh, which is a, another horror in real life story of its own for another time and another place. But her support through that situation really got me through everything. Flash forward to three or four relationships after that, she was great with every single guy that I ever brought home. Uh, even up to the relationship I have with my current husband was super supportive when I got engaged to him. And so when it came time to go to the voting polls and she told me that she was voting for Donald Trump, that really upset me. 
And I sat down with her and I made sure she understood that she was choosing Mike Pence in addition to choosing Donald Trump. And she said she understood that. And then I gave her a whole litany of everything that Pence has done and had done as governor of Indiana and and said to her, so are you still going to do this? And she did. And I got to tell you, that put such a strain on our relationship. And I had always been really close to my mom. Um, Now in 2019, I, I would say things are a little better. She's starting to understand just how anti-LGBTQ the whole Trump administration is and I think she sees the mistake she made but you know I gotta tell you I don't know if I've truly forgiven her so that's been really tough for me this past two and a half years or however long we've had that nightmare in the White House (laughs) but I am also proud and hopeful for my community because I see a lot of the good being done uh, I went to, as, as kind of an act of rebellion for what my mom did, I went to the first gay pride parade held in Columbus, Indiana, which is Mike Pence's hometown. I went last June as a birthday gift to myself. My birthday's in April, so I booked the ticket. Had never been to Indiana and figured, you know what? Let me go. My husband came with me. And we just thought that showing our support from another state, from Connecticut, where it's a much better life for LGBTQ people for sure than in Indiana. We thought it would be good to go and show our support for other people who don't have it easy as us. And the turnout that I saw there was really hopeful and really inspiring. Uh, I see work being done in the trans community, uh, especially trans activists like Alexandra Billings. And, and that gives me a lot of hope, especially in the face of the transgender military ban. And then I see something like uh, Mayor Peep, Buttigieg getting as far as he's getting uh, in in what's going to heat up to be a very contentious 2020 presidential election campaign. So that gives me hope and it keeps me going every day, to be honest, and gets me out of bed and keeps me pushing through. And uh, Friday the 13th in and of itself, that gives me hope too, to know that there's, there's, there's an outlet for people, that there's a way for people to find stories by and for people just like themselves. No one's really alone. You just have to do some digging and other people who are like you are out there struggling through the same things that you're going through. And that is really comforting in in a world that can be really dark sometimes. (laughs) 